Well, we've been talking about unlikely things this Christmas, and we have uh, some more unlikely things about the story that we'll talk about today, but I wanted to start off with some things people have said in the past that it is unlikely that they will ever say again. And we'll start from most recent, and we'll go back into the past from there. Um, Paul Krugman, an award-winning uh, actual Nobel, this guy won a Nobel Prize for, for his work in, in, in economies and economics. Economist? Anyway, but he said, by 2005, it'll become clear the internet's impact on the economy has been no greater than the fax machine. Crazy thing is, this isn't the dumbest thing he's ever said. He's got more like that, and he won a Nobel Prize, I think, for being dumb. Um, here's another one um, written about Osama bin Laden in 1993. Anti-Soviet warrior puts his army on the road to peace. Isn't that wonderful? Probably, what do you, th if you wrote this article, like what do you think you're, you're, you're at now? You're probably promoted, yeah. And you're probably the editor. But um, here's another great one, an advertisement, asbestos, pure white fireproof snow. Looks like real snow, cleanest, whitest, best. For those of you who are maybe younger and don't know this, asbestos is one of the worst cancer causing carcinogens that there is. But there's a lot of things insulated by asbestos, and that's okay as long as you don't move it, because the worst thing is to make it into a powder and inhale it. And actually, if you watch um, The Wizard of Oz, and in the poppy fields, it starts to snow. That's what they used. Those actors were inhaling asbestos. I love this one. I hope the lead I'm mining will be used in your paint. <laughs> He's got a great mustache, though, you know. Um, they didn't know lead was bad for you. So this guy, um, Heinrich Hertz, I do not think after he discovered radio waves, he said, I do not think that the wireless waves I've discovered will have any practical application. He's kind of depressed about it. This is the best one, though, from the makers of aspirin introducing heroin for non-addictive relief from the cough since 1898. Seriously, Bayer, Bayer, the company Bayer Aspirin, Bayer had two bestsellers in 1900, aspirin and heroin. Because if you were sick with a cough, man, it made you feel better. <laughs> but thankfully, we discovered it actually is addictive. Don't, don't do that. Not, not for... All right, so, but today we're going to look at, of all the unlikely things in the Christmas story, right? There was Mary's unlikely response to the angel when she is scared and, and confused and, and, and all of that. She wanted what God wanted even though she didn't understand what was going on and was scared and how we can do that. And then last week, we looked at how Pastor Josh was here talking about how, how um, you know, that the timing was unlikely and how Simeon had to wait his entire life and Anna was 84 before she met Jesus and how we, it just stinks to wait, but God's timing is best, even when it seems unlikely to be the best timing. But today, we're going to look at the variety of messengers that God used to proclaim the birth of Jesus Christ, of God coming in the flesh. And so we'll start um, in Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Okay, when you think biblical angel, don't think Roma Downey from Touched by an Angel, okay? <laughs> pretty little redhead. Whenever anyone like sees an angel in the Bible, this is the universal response. Terror, okay, scary. 
But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, or in the Greek, the Christ. Christ isn't Jesus' last name, it's his title. The Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Another way of saying that is swaddling. Sometimes we do that today, right? We swaddle a baby because they really like being in tight spaces because that's where they were for the first nine months, right? And so actually, when, with our, one of our kids, we kept her in the car seat like for the first nine months of her life. Like we'd, she'd fall asleep in the car seat, right? Because you rock her like this. And then we just put the car seat in the crib, <laughs> right? Because if we took her out of the car seat, she would wake up. So it looked like we were terrible parents, but they actually, they liked this, right? They liked being all swaddled and tight. And he says, so you're going to find him swaddled and lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those in, with whom God's, God is pleased. And, and I got to be a stickler here. They did not sing. It says they said. So even though in my head I got the Messiah, glory to God, going, that's not what happened. They, they said it, so it was more like a rap, all right? So um, then the angels returned to heaven. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. I think it's important to, to point out, it says they found Mary and Joseph and the baby. Because all they had to go on was he's going to be swaddled, which is like maybe every baby. Um, and, but he's going to be in a manger. So I, they didn't know where he was. And the town was about the size of the Montrose Borough. So I can just, you know, picture these guys. It's the middle of the night. <laughs> Levi, wake up! Like, what's going on? What? It's the middle of the night. Hey, who's pregnant? I don't know. Like, why are you asking me this? Well, someone had a baby tonight. Who can't? No, there's these angels and stuff. And Well, you know, Judah down the street, his wife is pregnant. All right, we're on our way. Judah, wake up. You had a baby yet? No, we haven't had a baby. What are you talking about? Like, oh, we're working for a baby. Well, there's lots of babies. Why are you bothering me? Well, he's in a manger. Well, I think, I think uh, Joshua on the corner of town, he's got a barn in a cave near his house. I think there's some guests that he's got there. All right. And so anyway, they just, they find him and there's the baby lying in a manger. And I just see all these burly shepherds after they've made their introductions. They're just looking at the baby. I don't know how long you can do that, but after a while, Joseph was kind of like, well, men, thanks for stopping by. Good to have you. And so after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone that happened. They left and what the angel had said to them about this child. And so here's the unlikely messengers. The angels, not necessarily unlikely messengers. If I was God, who's going to proclaim the birth of, of Jesus, of God coming in the flesh? I'd be like the angels, obvious go-to. Now, now, they were unprecedented. I don't think any of you had a host of angels talking about your birth before it happened, you know, to, to, to shepherds out in the field. But, but the angel thing, I think, was, was not unlikely. That was the likely go-to messengers that God would use. The unlikely messengers are the shepherds. And, and they're unlikely for a couple... First of all, they're just regular guys. Shepherds were, were not especially poor. They were not especially rich, definitely not. 
Um, they weren't like social outcasts, but they weren't on the social high social strata either. They were just normal people. And unlike almost everybody else in this part of the story that we've covered so far, they, it does not say they were godly. So it says Mary found favor with God and incredibly godly. Joseph, righteous man, even the story yesterday, Simeon had been waiting for Jesus, righteous man. Anna, godly widow, 84 years old. All these people are godly. The shepherds, they were shepherds. <laughs> not, not particularly ungodly either. Maybe that's been your life. Maybe you haven't been the black sheep of the family, but you're not the, the holy one either. And maybe, maybe your life has just been like this. You're just a regular person, not particularly good, bad, not particularly rich, poor. You're just, just that, that shepherd who nobody notices is out in their fields. And, and um, that's who God uses to be messengers to proclaim his birth. And if God can use shepherds, then God can use you to tell others about him. And, and what they did was they just shared what got, what their experience Right? They, they didn't know all the doctrine of, of the prophecies and, and, you know, Micah says he had to be born in Bethlehem and, and then Isaiah said it had to be a virgin birth. They didn't know any of that. They just, they just went around and here's what they did. All who heard the shepherd's story, they went and told them their story. And the interesting thing, and I think we need to take this to heart, when we tell people our story, in fact, last Sunday was really awesome. I was over, I was in Hancock last Sunday and went there and was greeting people as they came in. This guy came in, his shoulders were like this wide. Like, I'm like, hey, who are you? And uh, you want to know people with shoulders this wide, right? And he's like, my name's Norm. And I'm like, oh, I know you. And he's like, what? Like, you know, I'm like, are you the norm that accepted Christ as his Savior a few weeks ago? He's like, yeah, that's, yes, I am. There can't be that many norms in Hancock, right? Um, and, and so it was great. It was great being over the meeting them. But we were watching the baptism service. Jessalyn was baptized in the first service. And, and we ask everyone who gets baptized, share some of your story. And it was amazing. She, she was vulnerable, talking about a dark place that she was and how God brought her out of that and, and talking about Jesus. We need to do that. We, we need to do that with others. And, and, you know, a good way of doing that is, is making a short version of it, right? Not nobody, this, what I'm doing right now, boring, okay? Nobody wants to hear someone drone on and on for like 30 minutes, okay? But in a normal conversation, for 60 seconds, if you can just tell someone what God's done in your life, something he's done, that's what the shepherds did. They're like, hey, there's this angel, and he told us about this baby. And then there was like tons of angels, and they were saying, they're praising God. And then we found the baby. It was amazing. And, and here's the thing that I think we get wrong. If I, if I didn't have this verse right in front of me, I would have said, all who heard the shepherd's story believed. But that's not what it says, is it? All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. That's quite a story. <laughs> you sure you guys haven't been drinking a little bit out there in the fields? Or maybe, wow, wow, yeah, okay, good for you. That's a great dream. No, it wasn't a dream, it was real. Okay. 
And they, they, were, they were amazed. They were surprised. They were astonished. They didn't believe. Now, Mary believed. Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often, and that's so important to remember what God's done. But the people didn't. You know, we, we get, I think one of the things we misunderstand about what God wants us to do, God wants you to be his messenger. He doesn't want you to be his convincer. That, that's not your job, to convince everyone. No, it was real. It was true. He's awesome. He's, he, he died for you. you. You need to... No, just, just, just share the message. What has God done in your life? At the end, I'm going to talk about another way to share the message, but this is one way. Just, just come up with your story, and, and here's the thing. Share it with someone. Share it with who you, you rode in the car with on your way here, or share it with whoever's sitting next to you. Just, just practice just sharing what God has done in your life to others, and then you can share those who, who don't have Jesus yet as well. The shepherds went back to their flocks. Here's another interesting thing. They didn't quit their jobs and all become like priests or something like that. They went back to do what they'd always done, but in a different way. And they went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And, um, Jesus, so, so that was the shepherd. So I want to move on to an, another group of unlikely messengers. And these, I think, are even more unlikely than the shepherds. Um, these are wise men. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. Now, this, this is a little bit later in the story. This is not the night that Jesus is born. It's a little bit later. And these wise men, what, what is a wise man? Okay, well, there's a song, we three kings. They're not kings, okay? Wise men, the, the literal Greek word is magus. That's why some translations have magi. It's actually translated in Acts 13.3 as sorcerer. Okay, but they, they weren't sorcerers, they weren't magicians. But what they were was astrologers. It's a cross between a scientist and a witch doctor. <laughs> so, so what they do is they would study the stars and they would map out and they'd make maps of the stars and they, they'd track the, the wandering stars, which would have been the planets, and then, you know, different uh, eclipses and, and then the wandering stars maybe in certain constellations and, certain, and comets and different things like that. And they would, they would look at the stars, very scientific, but then they would predict the future by it. That's kind of the witch doctor part. And, and here's the thing, if you didn't know this, the Bible is not pro-astrology. It's like anti-astrology. You cannot know the future, okay? By, like if you're in a, what a Capricorn, what are the Cancer, what are the different Sagittarius, I don't know what your sign is. Astrological sign. Astrological sign, yeah. What's your sign? So, you know, Pisces. Pisces, they're Arius. There we go. I don't remember what I am. Anyway, but so, so none of that, none of that's real, okay? It's just a bunch of made-up superstition. Bible is not pro-astrology. But here we have God using astrologists to tell people about the birth of Jesus. And people make a lot of things about the star, like was it a supernova? Was it a comet? Was it, we don't know. And actually later, it seems like it stopped appearing and then it reappeared and then led them to Bethlehem. So it could very well have been an angel or something that wasn't something in the sky. We don't know. Don't get hung up on that. But he's, 
he's born in Bethlehem. They, 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 they come from the east asking about him. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? They're thinking the Jews would know where their king is born. We saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. Well, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Why? Because King Herod was paranoid and a mass murderer. Not a good combination in a very powerful king. And so that's why everyone in Jerusalem was disturbed, because when a mass murdering, powerful, paranoid king is disturbed, everybody's disturbed. Um, he called, Herod called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. This is Micah's prophecy. Uh, Joel, Ger Joel Kessler talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago at communion. You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. So then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the, when the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. And those of you who know the story know that he wasn't about to worship the baby. This is why he made a careful inquiry. When did the star first appear? Because if that's when he was born, then that means he's about a year old now or however long it had been, nine months old now, year and a half old, whatever. And so he was doing the math because, uh, as, as many of you know, he then tried to kill Jesus and he ordered the death of every baby in the entire town of Bethlehem that was two years old or under. And um, so after this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. That, that's what makes me think it's not like a real star. It's a, um, something else. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, and this is where, as wise as they were, and wise men were incredibly intelligent. They were advisors to the king uh, of whatever land they were from and often kind of of noble, a type of nobility. And so they were incredibly wise, but the, I think their gifts went beyond their wisdom and this was orchestrated by God because the gift of gold was because Jesus would be a king. I'm, I think that's probably, they knew that, why they gave it. The gift of frankincense, that's what you burn, incense that you burn to a god. In fact, in Israel, there was a certain recipe for frankincense that God said in the Old Testament law, you are only to burn this in the temple to me. You burn this in your house and you're either killed or exiled and kicked out of the country because this, this frankincense is a special recipe and you only burn it to God. And so they gave a gift of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh was the perfume that they would anoint someone who died with to mask the smell of decay and death. And so in these gifts, they point us and remind us that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, that Jesus is God in the flesh, come to be born among man, frankincense, and that Jesus would die and be our Savior, the myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And so the shepherds praising God, the wise men, 
coming to see him and praising God. God uses an unlikely variety of, of messengers to proclaim his birth. And, and here's the thing, they, they, they with great joy, right, the shepherds went back and told everyone and, and, and the wise men as well, just praising God for, for, seeing, for seeing Jesus. Gratitude and praise is an important part of our lives. It's a discipline that we need to put into our lives. In my small group, the men's group, I don't remember whose idea it was, but someone was sharing just about how they have a habit of gratitude. And then we were talking about we need to do that. And so all week, every day, we've challenged each other in our group text, praise God for something every day. And I think this is especially important around Christmas time because for many people, Christmas is not a real joyful time. It's, maybe this is your first Christmas without someone you love. Maybe it's your 10th Christmas without someone you love, and it hasn't seemed to get any easier. And so, so even in times like that, that, that there's things that we, we need to remember who God is and how he sent Jesus and, how, and what, so much we have to be thankful for. Yesterday, one of the guys texted. He said, I am thankful that I have a washing machine and dryer in my, it, where I live so I don't have to go to the laundromat. I'm like, I am too, and I, have, I don't know if I have thanked God for that ever. Like, I, you know, I just take that for granted. What a great thing. I don't have to leave the house to do my laundry. You know, and, and so just to, to, to be thankful to God, the kids are learning, of course, this uh, story about Jesus being born just like we are. But their bottom line is you can have joy because God sent Jesus. So that's what the kids are learning over there. And that's true for us as well. We can have joy because God sent Jesus to us to be born. And if God can use the unlikely messengers of, of wise men who aren't even Jewish, Jesus is Jewish. His parents, Mary and Joseph, Jewish. Like all the apostles, Jewish. Almost everyone who wrote the Bible, Jewish. Like if I, was, if I was up in heaven, you know, with the angels and God's like laying out his plan. All right, I'm going to have some messengers. Oh, yeah, this would be great. Angels. Yes, yes, we're in on that. Yeah, how many? As many as you want. All right, we'll all be there. I don't know. You know, and then he says, okay, another messenger, shepherds. And they're like, shepherds? Well, yeah, I can see that. You know, God's got a soft place for shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all shepherds. Moses, shepherd in the wilderness, burning bush. David, shepherd, right? He's, Amos, prophet, was also a shepherd. God seems to have a soft spot for shepherds. So it's like, okay, shepherds. And then I'm going to use astrologers. What? And they're not even going to be Jewish. What? Like, yeah, they're going to come from Iraq. What? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, but, but if God can use shepherds and God can use non-Jewish, why? The interesting thing is, who does he send to normal people? Normal people. Who does he send to the rich and powerful? The rich and powerful. And, and so who is he sending you to? To the people all around you. If you're a billionaire here, probably watching online because you're clearly not in the room. <laughs> God is sending you to the billionaires. <laughs> if you're not a billionaire, he's sending you to everybody else, you know, and to the people that God's put around us. And so one way to do that is to share your story. Another way to do that, I talked about this previously, is, is to, to ask a question. 
And here's a list of questions that you can ask. In fact, we, we printed these out on cards, and I forgot to talk to the, the greeter people, but I'd like them to hand them out as people leave. Um, starter questions. Just, come, just pick one of these questions as a starter question and ask everybody that question. Ask your kids that question. Ask your family that question. Ask, ask your friends that question. Ask your coworkers that question. Ask, I just, and, and he, here's why. And just pick one. So the first one, the person who recommended this, his question was, what happens when you die? Okay, that's, that's kind of, you know, not for everybody, you know, to work that in. Um, but maybe one of these other questions is, is, is something, you know, how do you know something's true? What's the most important thing in life? Why? Um, do you think much about spiritual things? And here's the thing. If you, if you ask the same question over and over, you'll get better at asking a follow-up question. Here's, here's standard follow-up questions. Why? What do you mean by that? Tell me more about that. So let's say, do you think much about spiritual things? Not really. Well, why? Well, I don't know. I guess I'm just too busy, you know. I'm trying to work and and, you know, got so much going on, and I just don't have time to think about stuff like that. And maybe the first time someone answers that way and says they don't have time to think about it, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, you're a busy guy. And you're like, rats, that didn't go anywhere. But then you'll have like all night to stare him back thinking, what could have I said? And the next time someone says, yeah, man, I'm just so busy. I don't have time to think about that. You're like, man, I know what you mean. I feel like I'm on the hamster wheel. But you know what? I wonder, am I on a hamster wheel? Is there any purpose in this life? What do you, what do you think? Is there any meaning or purpose in what you do and what I'm doing? See, then, 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 then what are they going to say to that? And if they shut you down, maybe, maybe, you know, you're not a convincer. You're just a messenger. Maybe you stop right there. Or maybe they'll respond in a way that, oh, I had someone else respond that way. And I was up in bed all night thinking about how to respond to that one. And now I know how to respond when someone says that. And, and so just practice. You just keep practicing. And you just keep talking to people. And, and it might be uncomfortable, but just pick one of these. Um, why are some things right or wrong? I asked the guy this. And, uh, you know, he says, I don't know. I guess I just go with what my parents told me. And you know what my response was? I've never heard that before. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Good. And then I, you know, spent hours thinking, like, what could I have said next time? And so the next time it comes up, then you have something to say. So, so just, just this is a great way to be a messenger. Another great way to be a messenger is just invite someone. Invite someone to come to church and say, you know what? You know, it's typical that people go to church over Christmas, and I just want to invite you to come to my church's Christmas, but I'm telling you, this is different. Like, I, I'm telling you, like, Jesus has changed my life, and I'd love to have you come and hear about how he can change your, whatever you want to say. Maybe you wouldn't say it that way, but um, of all the unlikely messengers, the most unlikely was the baby Jesus. Um, I want to close with a story, um, just maybe to encourage you. Lee Strobel uh, worked as a newspaper. Um, he wrote stories, um, investigative journalist. That's what he was in Chicago. And then his wife made Jesus her forgiver and leader, and uh, it made him really mad. He's like, I didn't sign up for this. 
I married a woman who had my values and now she's this Christian and, and it's just not fair and I don't like it and she's changed. Yeah, she's nicer, but I don't like it. Um, and so he set out to disprove Christianity. So he could come to her and say, here's, here's all the evidence, like you're an idiot, you need to change, it's, it's clearly false. And so in his research though, he realized actually there was way too much evidence for him to deny and he, he, he gave his life to Jesus as well. And so a year or two after that, he uh, really felt like God was wanting him to go back to the newspaper office where he worked and invite a coworker of his to come to church for Easter. So this isn't a Christmas story, it's an Easter story. But, and so he did that. So he went to the office and the guy, he, he looked around the office and it was completely empty. There was nobody else there. And he's like, perfect. And so then he walked up to the guy's desk and the guy stood up to meet him and, hey, Lee, good to see you. Yeah, 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 a little chit-chat. And then he says, hey, I just came. And, and maybe he had one of these cards. It wouldn't have looked like this. But, and he says, hey, I just wanted to invite you to my church this Easter. I would love to have you there. And the guy's like, you know what? It's just not for me, no. Turned him down cold. And then he's like, well, maybe God wanted me to just try to have a conversation with him. He says, you know what? Jesus has made such a change in my life. He told a little bit of his story. And he said, you know, and I, I, think, I think the resurrection is real. And, you know, are you interested in spiritual things? And he says, not really. In fact, you've, you've, you know, I, I'm at work here. I know it's after hours, but I have stuff to do. And, and just shut him down. No response whatsoever. And so Lee left and he was like, what was that? I thought God wanted me to go and talk to this guy. And clearly, like, and so he, he just said, well, maybe I planted a seed and he's not ready now, but maybe God will use that in his heart. And years went by. Lee actually became a pastor in a church in Chicago and um, was, was at that church one day. And a man came up to him afterward and said, hey, I just want to thank you for the incredible spiritual impact you've had in my life. And Lee was like, well, thank you. That, I really appreciate that. Who are you? I don't think I've ever met you. And he said, well, yeah, I, let me tell you my story. You see, I, I lost my job a few years ago, and I, I was desperate for anything, so I called up a friend of mine, and he said, well, can you tile floor? And he says, not really, but he says, yes, I, I could tile floor. And he says, well, can you go to my newspaper office and tile the floor in, my, in, in that office where the people work after hours? And he says, well, sure, yeah, I have anything for money because I need work. And so he said, so... I was in the newspaper office when you walked in. I don't think you even saw me because I was on my hands and knees behind a desk putting tile on the floor. And I listened to everything you said to that man. And after you left, and after I left the job, I went home to my wife and said, honey, we're going to church this Easter. And my wife and I and our teenage son went to church that Easter. And at that service, all three of us prayed to make Jesus our Savior and Lord. And, and you had an incredible impact in my life. And, and, and the point of that story is, God sent us to be messengers, not convincers. And, and you don't know even who he's sending you to be a messenger to. Maybe you'll talk to a friend of yours and, and, you know, there's been times where I've gone and visited someone in the hospital and then I find out that, you know, the person God wanted me to talk to was not that individual, it was their son who was with them in the hospital. Or it wasn't anyone in the room, it was the nurse that I talked to on the way in. You know, it just be God's messenger and I'm telling you, it will be 
exciting. One of the 26 baptisms that were briefly shared like in the feed, you know, all those dunks, there was one of, of a, an older man. He's near retirement. He's a teacher at Susquehanna, Jeff Hall. He had a beard. He was baptizing a girl. He's been a Sunday school teacher. He's been teaching the kids out at Bridgewater Halstead for years and years. And he's a track coach and cross-country coach at Susquehanna High School and just a great guy. This is the first time he's ever baptized anyone because a girl that he had in Sunday school accepted Christ, is a little older now, and said, I want Mr. Hall to baptize me because he volunteered to, for kids' ministry. So, you know, whether you tell kids about Jesus here, whether you say, hey, I want to be involved with students, the 6th through 12th graders that are coming here tonight from 4 to 6 o'clock, whether you're involved with them, whether it's a friend or a neighbor or a family member, be God's messenger. It, it is the greatest adventure. And a lot of times you don't know. You don't know what adventure is going on. But I'm telling you, God is doing something behind the scenes, often when we don't see it and know it. And He wants to use you as His messenger. Have you accepted the, His message of salvation? So Jesus came not just to begin a winter solstice holiday of gift giving. <laughs> he came to die for you and me. One of the goals I set at the beginning of this year was at least once a month to pray a prayer of salvation. And so I want to do that to close out our service. And if you pray with me or if you just want someone to pray with you, after I pray, the band's going to play a song and you're welcome to come up and pray with anyone at the front here. And if you're in Hancock, pray with, go, go to the back and uh, some, someone will pray with you there if you need someone to pray with you. But just, just pray with me now um, especially if you've never made Jesus your, your Lord and Master. Pray and do that right now. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for sending Jesus Christ to be born in that manger and to be raised in that house in Bethlehem where the wise men came, but then to grow up and to die on the cross. And God, I, I admit that I am a sinner and that I deserve hell and I deserve your punishment but so I just ask that Jesus would take my punishment upon himself on the cross 2,000 years ago that he would pay for my sins God that you would forgive me for all I've done and out of gratitude I want to make Jesus my leader my Lord my master I give you my life help me to follow you from this day forward in Jesus' name I pray, amen.